Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. All right, this is the Neighborhood Watch. Josh Neighbors, your host here with Derek Johnson, who is the host of Locked on Jayhawks, also does radio in Lawrence, Kansas. We've got a big matchup, the matchup of the week, Kansas and Texas. It's funny, last two seasons, how many matchups of the week in the Big 12 the Jayhawks have been in that's new. But Derek and I, last time I saw you, we were at Big 12 Media Days. And uh, that was, you know, they're, I think they were batting leadoff basically in terms of the power conferences with Media Days, if I remember correctly. And a lot's changed since then. Actually, this morning, it's funny, uh, before I talked to you, I was reading the athletic article that was written by Max Olson about the machinations behind the scenes and everything happening. And just kind of looking back on it now, you know, what a wild time that was about like just the future of, of, of the sport. And, um, you know, I think about it, like you're talking to you about, you know, Kansas, it basically like as the sports con- consolidates and I think, I'm worried about the future of the Big 12 still. Derek, I'm not sure how you feel. I'm still concerned about like the long-term viability of the league because it seems like all we care about are the big brands, right? Um, and, you know, like, I can even say like I'm worried about my alma mater, Missouri, and like whether the SEC is like, you know, we don't need Vanderbilt and Missouri in these schools anymore, schools like that, right? But just kind of like as we kind of move upward, everything's kind of consolidating upward, um, the Big 12 was able to be a part of that. And, um, you know... I think I was actually standing with you when Brett Yormark was giving his remarks. And I remember you and I laughing about the ad that he played. And he's like, I love that. Let's play that again. It was like, this is uh, so funny. But that's what this league did need. In the end of the day, they, they did need the businessman. They did need the guy who could pull those, pull those strings. And uh, now they're in good spot. I mean, they've got 16 teams. Yeah, I, I've always thought that Brett Yormark is like the, the idea guy. Have you ever had like the idea guy friend who – you know, they, they have all these crazy ideas and a lot of them actually end up being great ideas, but then every so often they'll like throw out an idea where, well, you know, let's maybe reel it back a little bit there. Like maybe that one went a little bit too far where there, there are certain times where I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know about that. Like, why are we doing a basketball game in Mexico city between Houston and Kansas? I, I still don't really, I, it doesn't really harm anything, but you know, whatever. Um, but I, I don't see like a huge amount of gain necessarily with, with that, but then you have certain ideas where it's like, yeah, going after expansion or some of the other things that they've done where it's like, okay, I'm on board with that. And and it is different in what you've seen with your mark from other conference commissioners who I, I feel like when you think of like a conference commissioner, you kind of think of like maybe an old kind of crusty guy set in his ways who, I don't know, doesn't really want to be like, that was the, the thing with Bob Bowlesby before uh, Brett Yormark. He was, it just was never proactive. It was always reactive, you know, and and that's what's kind of nice about having your mark. Everything has been proactive to this point to where you do feel like, and and yeah, obviously like if, if you're Kansas or if you're any other school in the big 12 and the SEC or the big 10 comes calling, like it's going to be hard to say no to that, to your point on is the big 12 fully together, but it feels good that it's like, well, if that call never comes, you have a little bit of, I don't know, uh, uh, I guess a plan B or, or this is a nice plan to be in, in the big 12 with, with the current iteration for both football, basketball, and uh, some of the other sports. Yeah. Uh, the, the ideas thing is you're so right. Like the ideas guy. And that's why, you know, you and I talked about it a little bit, but I, I've mentioned this a lot in the show, the, 
the relationship between Brett Yormark and these ADs works out because that's the check, right? Like Brett Yormark in the end, you know, his job is to bring the stuff up, but it's not like he's got carte blanche. I remember I was reading an article over at football scoop and they were like, you know, are the president's going to be upset. It's like, they have to approve everything he does. Like it's not, like he does, he's not going to just to choose, right. You, know, you, you have some authority and power, but like ultimately the choices, you know, this article here is a good example of that. Like, He's talking with Mac Rhodes. Uh, Mac Rhodes is clearly somebody that that Brett leans on a lot. And like, you know, guys like Gene Taylor have spoken about stuff. Uh, Jamie Pollard have spoken about stuff. And these guys have been honest about like, look, we, we don't feed all of Brett's impulses. Right. You know, uh, and, and he's got and you made the, the Mexico point. And look, I'm excited to see what that looks like. I think it's cool that Houston and Kansas are going to play there. Um but like, what does it actually mean in the end? I think it's a, I think it's a totally fair question, right? So it's the, the yeah the, the check on the ideas and things like that. But I have to say, you know, and I know I know Kansas is a little bit different because there's been always been that Big Ten part of it. Um, and good lord, could they use them in basketball? I mean, my god, the Big Ten needs somebody good in basketball, don't they? Uh, somebody actually good, not fake good. You know, not regular season good. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, if that call ever does come, you're right. But like, I really don't see too many of these schools getting that call unless Deion Sanders signs a lifetime contract at Colorado. Yeah, it's, it's tough to see. I mean, at, at this point, it's almost like, well, if, if you would have got the invite, you would have got the invite. But I don't know. I guess I guess never say never. Uh, who knows when, when the ACC thing, it feels like that's kind of a ticking time bomb at this point where it's like if the ACC implodes, explodes, does, I don't know, the SEC had four of those schools and the Big Ten adds two of them. And then all of a sudden the Big Ten's like, wait, we're two behind. We got to go to the Big Twelve now to equal. I I don't know. There, there's no way of knowing. It, it's it's such chaos at this point that it's almost impossible to predict. So just being happy with where you are, I think, is probably the best way to go about it. And just be content with, you know, the current league you're in, and just be happy that you're not in a situation right now that Oregon State and Washington State are. And even though that could happen to anybody in the near future, just be happy that's not happening to you right now. All right, so let's talk about KU. Uh, and before we get into the game. Uh, I and fan bases hate it when I do this, but I I think we have to. Uh, Lance Leipold is I we said it when he was at Buffalo, we saw it at Kansas already. It's like this guy is a good coach. I'm not sure if I don't think people understand, and I think there is a reasonable conversation to have about coaches like Lance Leipold when you're like, all right, what's the ceiling, right? Because I don't, I mean, I uh, I guess you know when he was you know in lower levels, but like what happens when you bring a lower uh, a lower tier power five pro or uh, program as high as you can or like what what happens when you keep knocking up against the ceiling or is it a coach where you would knock up against the ceiling but if you have ground to make up on other people in your league this is the guy you want coaching your team and i'll tell you derek we all know this and i think the first job is probably in east lansing michigan there will be jobs in this relative middle part of the country that will open and i if you were to call a Big 12 coach within reason that might leave, he is the first coach I would call right now. I I, I think, uh, especially if, you're, if your program's in a down spot, like I think if you can have maybe a Kleiman versus Leipold argument or whatever, but I think if you're, if you're down bad and you need to get to a certain spot, this is the guy because they, they just, everything is so well coached and you can tell. And they're still to me, Derek, shaking out a little bit of the Kansas, like there's still 20% of old Kansas football in them, right? Massive favorite Nevada. And it's like, oh my God, what are we doing here, boys? But when they needed the drive at the end of the game, 
they got the exact ride they needed at the end of the game. The Illinois game, things were going, things tightened up a little bit. They got the requisite stops and first downs they needed to get to put that game away. And so you can kind of see it like they're slowly but surely getting the last ounces of old KU football out of there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an unbelievable coaching job to go from where they were, you know, I don't know, three, four years ago, they were under scholarship by like 15, 20 people. And obviously some of that, the rule changes with allowing you to just kind of get up over the last year or two. That's been helpful here. Transfer portal has been helpful, but uh, man, it's it's been unbelievable. They were a staff that, you know, you had certain players, I think like Earl Bostic, who was a left tackle on last year's team and, and now is uh, off to the NFL. He uh, had like five or six or seven position coaches. He was in college for six years and it was like a different position coach every year. And now Kansas went from last year to this year having all the same coaching staff, not just the coordinators, every position coach, the exact same. Like that doesn't happen in college football. So the continuity tends to be something that that really works in his way. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, we, we've talked about it a bit with you know some of the, I, I guess when you're a school like Kansas, it's always going to be impossible to, if you have a good football program, if you have a good coach, for there not to be conversations about them taking another job or, or like that this other job would have interest or, you know, that they could be on the short list of here. What I do think is interesting with the Michigan state one is um, it was Bruce Feldman who put up the article on uh, the athletic and Bruce Feldman seems to have a tight relationship with Lance Leipold and Lance Leipold's agent. Uh, Bruce Feldman's Feldman was actually the guy who broke the news that Lance Leipold took the job at Buffalo Lance Leipold took the job at Kansas. Um, and so the fact that he's on that board, you know, typically when you see uh, coaches pop up in in certain job openings on boards or articles or, or different things, there's there's two things at play. One is they actually have interest in the job. And the other one is maybe the agent is telling that like, hey, I'll give you a scoop to the writer if you can do me a solid and put him up on this job so that the school has to come back and give my guy a pay raise. Well, Lance Leipold just got a pay raise and a contract extension last year. So clearly to me, there is at least some sort of probably interest there. Who knows how much Kansas fans will point to the fact that um, Wisconsin and Nebraska happened to open up last year. And those would be his dream jobs of all dream jobs. He, uh, you know, exactly. grew up or, or he obviously had the, the Wisconsin area with Wisconsin whitewater and stuff, grew up in his coaching career there, basically. Um, he also, though, was on staff at one point at Nebraska, and that was seen as like a dream job to him. And they'll say that, well, if you didn't get either of those jobs, then why would you take Michigan State? Um, but the kind of fallacy in that is who knows if he was actually offered either job, right? He might not have ended up with either job. That might have been because they said, well, Luke Fickle's higher up on our list than Lance Leipold, or uh, Matt Rule is higher up on our list than Lance Leipold is here. So, yeah, man, I, I think there is a possibility. I mean, still clearly there's so many other candidates and so much stuff has to happen that the odds are better that he's at Kansas than Michigan State. But this is going to constantly be a worry if you're Kansas, even though he is an older head coach. The more success you have, the more callers, the more suitors that are going to come calling. Right. And, and another part of this, too, is, you know, like we've mentioned this it's part of the realignment conversation, the money, because, you know, you think about like in Indiana, right, like Indiana might become open. And yeah, it matters about how much you care. But like these schools all of a sudden are going to have the ability, especially these Big Ten schools, to throw obscene amounts of cash at these coaches because of how much money they're about to rake in. Like it's it makes me physically ill to think like Rutgers is about to make eighty million dollars from a television contract. You're like, what? 
why? Like, why? Like, you know, but you know what I mean? They're in a, they're in a league with, you know, they've, they've, you know, they've got the New York mark, whatever. But like, you get to be on more televisions because you have Rutgers, which I guess is really nice. But I mean, it makes sense for the Big Ten, right? You, you know, you got Michigan alums, you got Ohio State alums, all of New York and all those things. But like Indiana gets to clear $80 million. Indiana's fine. Uh, you know, it's a nice big state school, but like, okay, basketball's good. But football, nobody's what nobody going out of their way to watch Indiana football, right? So they're kind of along for the ride as well. But all of a sudden, with the influx of cash, they could say, you know what? How serious are we? You know, or, or do we want to make an attempt to be serious? And an attempt to be serious for them could be paying a coach $8 million a year because that's in the budget now. Yeah. And so I, I will say, while I do agree with him being older and with the contract extension, that's just the one thing that for me, I'm always like nervous about the hangs over. And, and that's not just Kansas. It's any Big 12 coach that I love having in the league. Now, luckily, we got a lot of coaches stick around, right? Matt Campbell stuck around. We've had Mike Gundy. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of his flirtations have felt like what you mentioned, trying to get more money from the, from the other – uh, you know, elsewhere, but, but these coaches have stuck around, which is good. But once that, once the money becomes the money we're talking about, that's where I guess I get concerned. Yeah. And and it's less about, to me, the, the payment to Lance Leipold. I mean, it would be awkward to leave after this year. His, his kid is a, a junior in high school. So you'd be leaving headed into the kid's senior year, which I, I know there's, you know, more to it than that. Um, he's making 5 million a year at Kansas. Like you look back at Michigan state, Mel Tucker was, he got that extension like a year or two ago. That was all like 10 years, 90 million. And that, that's before this new big 10 contract. So they, obviously there would be a raise there, but I think for Lance Leipold, he cares more about the money from a sense of how it affects building the football team. I, I obviously as a, as an athlete, as a coach, you care about what you're getting paid, not just because of the money, but because it's a reflection of you, as like confirmation that you're good at your job, but he more so cares about it because of NIL money and ability mm -hmm. to roster a good football team with transfers, retaining players, bringing in freshmen um, facilities, those sorts of things that, you know, that was kind of written into his contract extension a year ago. It wasn't just about give me more money, give me extension years. It was, you have to put good faith forward in consistently getting NIL money and, and using donor funds there and, uh, rebuilding facilities and, and doing some of these things for the current players, um, that that's what he really cares about. And that's where, to me, the money that the Big Ten schools have becomes very interesting because, you know, it's one thing. Kansas is doing very well with NIL. They're doing extremely well in basketball. They're actually doing very well still in football too. Um, but it's another thing if you are a Michigan State or an Indiana or something. Now, then there becomes an interesting conversation because the money you're getting from TV contracts, that's not necessarily allowing you to use that money for NIL. You know, the school can't right. actually pay the businesses have to. So uh, there's, there's kind of an interesting conversation there with the money, but certainly it is of interest to me for the most part with the NIL conversation side of it. And that is something that Kansas is going to continue to have to pledge to him and, and show they're doing. And, you know, the fan support has to be a thing. Like they sold out the uh, BYU game. You have to continue to selling out uh, the stadium. Otherwise, if you're Lance Leipold and, you know, you have a ranked team and even if you're only clearing 41,000 of the like 48,000 that can sit in Memorial Stadium, you're kind of viewing that as, OK, this is kind of messed up. Like, I'm not a fan of this. Like, you know, you don't want to rub him the wrong way. You, you have to right. keep doing things right uh, as much as he's trying to do things right on the football field. It's kind of a reciprocal thing. All right. So let's talk about this team. Um because I, I, I'm wondering about like how like sustaining it beyond this year or whatever. But the one question I have, it's really funny actually. I'm not even sure the question's going to be answered until we have a few like a few weeks, because I, I've talked about this build right. The year one, 
They were competitive in games, but they couldn't finish games well. In the end of the year, they were finishing games well. Well, last year it was that, but it was actually a, it was just if the game was a season, that was the, that was a season, right? They they started really well and they did not finish. And I'm wondering from a roster standpoint if they have the ability to do it. Because here's the thing, I actually believe this week that they're going to give Texas a good game. I, I really do. I think that the way the way that this KU team plays is really kind of a it's the style you want to beat a good a, a team like this. I think where where it hurts them is like if you want them to smoke a team, it's not how it's going to work because just the way they play, like the the working the clock, lower possessions, and also their defense is a playmaking defense, right? Like that's what they want to do. If they're going to give you, let's just, I'm not saying this is a number, but like if they're going to give you nine drives, you know what I mean? Like you might score on four or five of them, but if they can get takeaways, you know, on two or three of them and have the other two, you know, the, the turnover and downs, whatever, whatever you want to say, like that's a success for them, right? Because that's, that's what they've got really good playmakers on defense. And I think that's a way they can beat Texas because they know man for man, they can't do it, but they do have a creative enough offense, a strong enough running game and star players that I think can help them limit the number of possessions in the game. And so I, I do think this is a game they can easily be competitive. And I, I know it was, one-way traffic last year, but that was Jalen's first game back from injury, if I remember correctly. And I don't even think the rest of last year he was even – he was not the guy that he – we Yeah, we not till Arkansas. Yeah. Right. And they also, I think this year they've done a really good job protecting him as well too. Um, so your thoughts about this matchup, this Kansas team, and, and you know, uh, we'll just talk about this game right here that we can focus on later on in the season. But I, I do think this is a game that actually not a bad matchup for KU – when it comes to a team that is more talented than them, but also more talented than the entire league as a whole. Yeah. So, I mean, you go back to last year, because obviously 2021 Kansas wins in Austin. And I think that was kind of a, a big moment for both these programs for Texas. Uh, that was probably an embarrassing moment for them to turn things around for Kansas. That was kind of the the proof of the concept of, of what Lance Leipold was preaching. And then you go to last year, and I think Texas probably heard enough of the Kansas beat Texas memes uh, combined yeah. with it was Jalen Daniels first game back. He did not look right. Um, it was also a really cold weather game. Neither quarterback could really throw the ball. Um, it was really windy, cold. And Texas just ran all over Kansas. They had 420 yards rushing against Kansas last year. Bijan Robinson went off. Roshan Johnson went off. Even the third string running back for Texas in the game, who's now their starter, had over 100 yards on 11 carries. Yes. Right. So, so um, they just ran all over you. And you go into this year, that'll be the big question to me. In Lance Leipold's tenure at Kansas – the Jayhawks are 10 and 0 when they give up four and a half yards per carry or less. They are two and 17 when they don't. Okay. Mm. So they have to be able to stop the run. How are they going to do that? I don't know. Texas offensive line is good. And, and that's what really impressed me most about the Texas Alabama game. They dominated in the line of scrimmage. So um, can Kansas handle that? Now I will say the Kansas offensive line pro football focus has them ranked sixth in the country in pass blocking third in the country in run blocking. They've been excellent so far this year. Uh, you have more depth on the defense than you did a season ago. And uh, so far this season, Kansas has, I think, 34 tackles for loss. That's about eight and a half a game. Last year, they averaged four and a half per game. You have a lot more depth at the defensive end spot. You brought in two transfers on the defensive line from Minnesota. Austin Booker has been excellent so far this year as a sophomore. Devin Phillips is like a six-year senior brought in from Colorado State. Uh, two-year program players. 
are now redshirt sophomores that have been developing under Lance Leipold with Tommy Dunn and uh, and DJ Withers on the defense line. The defense line has been so much better than it was a season ago. Linebacker's been a lot better. You've had more depth there. You had a J.B. Brown from Bowling Green. He's been excellent, unbelievable athlete at the linebacker spot. Cornell Wheeler, a former transfer from Michigan, is finally starting to hit the ground running this year. So they just have a lot more depth. They returned all six of their DBs. You are right. This is still not a great defense. I think it's better than it was last year. But at the end of the day, in a game like this, it is going to be about how opportunistic can you be. And the good news is Kobe Bryant's been great at it. Kenny Logan's been great at it. OJ Burroughs, you go back to his high school career, has been great at it. So um, that's kind of the idea here. But it all comes down to me, can you get pressure on Quinn Ewers? I think like a 65 passer rating this year went under pressure. Uh, but it's hard to do because their offensive line has been really good so far this season. And then you have to be able to run the ball on kind of basic plays. Um, and you need kind of a, a hero game from Jalen Daniels. You need one of those games where, where he's going to kind of go off. I do agree. I, I think Kansas can make it a game. I think the spread, when I saw it open in around 18, 19, 20 points, now I saw somewhere it's down to 16 and a half. I, I think around 14 feels a little bit more right to me. I agree. Um, I'm expecting Texas to win, but I, I think Kansas can keep a close game. And honestly, if, if Kansas loses this game by like 10 points, I think you walk away from the game, honestly, if you're a Jayhawk fan going, okay, you got something here. Yeah, well, the big thing for me too is like Kansas. The, I actually think they really benefit too from the clock running. And, and look, they, they are actually, this version is actually better than some of the team, like some of the teams they play. But Jalen Daniels is completing; he's completing seventy percent of his passes. So like, and we know their running game is really good. So the one thing is they have the ability to keep that clock moving. And I think the one thing for them is as long as they don't get down in this game. If you're, if because I think the one thing Lance Leipold knows is like, even if we're within a score or two, or like we're chasing the game a little bit, I mean, it's a tough place to be in, but you, you cannot get in a spot where you get away from your game plan because that's where KU will, will you know, that, that's that's where they're going to lose, right? Uh, it's, that's you cannot be, you know, you, you need everything to go your way and a couple bounces as well. But I think they've been preserving Jalen a good amount, right? He's only he's carried the ball this season, uh, what is it, like 28 times total in three games. So it's not a not a huge amount in my opinion, right? So maybe you can take the uh, you can take the handcuffs off, and they've been smart about it too. I think they're really weary of the back injury, which I think we all are, and we're all hoping he's okay because he's a fun player. But I mean, this is yeah, this, he was a difference maker in this game and and uh, a couple years ago, and I think he can be again. You're right. I would favor Texas, but I, I do think Kansas has the right kind of um, recipe to be competitive. And here's the thing too, like. That Texas secondary, I think the thing about Texas is like they're good at all three levels. I, I think that's what I feel about their defense. I think their defense is good at all three levels. I don't know if their defense is great. I don't think they have many great players on the defense. And, you know, if Milrow makes a couple of those throws uh, against Texas, I mean, it's it, uh, it's a different game, right? Like there were a couple of wheel routes, guys were just wide open in the middle of the field. There were guys wide open. And Jalen's a bit more accurate than Jalen, uh, than the other Jalen, Jalen Milrow is. And actually, he might even be a little bit better of a runner, not as physical of a runner, but actually might be a better runner. So, and that's the one thing Texas, you know, they got Miller out of the pocket, but they were not able to corral him sometimes. And that's the thing is I actually don't think he played terribly, Jalen Milrow, that being against against Texas. I think I just think he missed a few throws, but I actually think Kansas has a guy who can make those throws. So I do think this game is a bit more interesting because of the ability to control the clock and because that Texas defense can be had. You just need a star to take advantage, and KU might have the star who can take advantage. 
Yeah, no, they might. I mean, he was excellent. In it's funny, it's been a first starts for Jalen. It was his first start in 2022 or 2021. First start back off the injury in 2022. This year, uh, that's not the case. But yeah, I mean, uh, Jalen right now he's he's third in QBR. I think last year he was first. Year before he was first in in a limited sample in the Big Twelve. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. You know, he's he's not your your typical guy. He's only like six feet tall, but. Man, he is a good runner. Um, he has a really live wire arm. And uh, the receivers have been really good over the last year. I remember last year, mm-hmm. I haven't checked on what it is this year. Last year, they finished number three in the entire country on, in receiving grade on Pro Football Focus. Like Ohio State was number one. You know, who would have thought right. there? Um, and Kansas was number three. And, and the receivers make a lot of contested catches. And Lawrence Arnold, he's a Texas native. I can see him having a big game. Luke Grimm has a great connection with Jalen Daniels they've got a litany of tight ends Jared Casey's trying to get back for more here in Austin in this one I I think that is the one thing that could try to keep Kansas in the game because that is my big worry that they're going to get a little more stuffed out trying to run the football against the the Texas like Byron Murphy is really good on the interior for Texas and uh, then it is going to be more about can you throw the ball around And, and to your point I think there are some openings like I don't think this is a great secondary for for Texas I think Specifically, you mentioned having good players at different levels. Yeah, like Byron Murphy's a great player. Jalen Ford's a great player. But you're right. I think there are some holes there. And I think that's one that if Kansas does have the big passing game from Jalen Daniels, which they absolutely can, I think that's how you stay in this game. And I can see this being a, a shootout where it's kind of back and forth where, you know, I, I don't know, maybe Texas wins or, or by seven, by 14 or something. But it's never really a game that that either team really puts away. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I, I, you know, one final thing on this, like, you look at Kansas games last year when they got smoked or smoked. Actually, scoring was never even the problem when, when, when Janelton was out. The scoring was not the issue. It was the defense. The defense could not get off the field. Look, they're going to get cooked a few times. It's going to happen against this Texas wide receiver core. But can you make the other, you know, others and those other drives? Can you make big plays and whatnot? All right, Derek, I can get you out of here. Kept you too long. Uh, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Uh, you can check out Locked On Jayhawks wherever you get your podcasts or uh, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chuck Sports Talk. All right, Derek Johnson, Locked on Jayhawks. Appreciate you, man.